Welcome to the Word Made Plain with Senior Pastor Tony Clark of Calvary Chapel, Newport News in Virginia. Currently, Pastor Tony is teaching through the book of Joshua. Please open your Bible to Joshua chapter 2. He saw Sodom and it looked like Egypt. It was green. Oh, how many people looking for the green? And he looked for the green and, and then he pitched his tent, the Bible says, towards Sodom. In Genesis 13. Then after that, we see him getting a little closer. The next thing you know, he's in Sodom. And then he got a little bit closer. He's one of the judges in Sodom. Okay, Lot, really? He's one of the judges in Sodom. He probably thought, you know, I get into politics. I can change, uh, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. No, no. And he was so wicked and carnal. He was so carnal that when the angels came to him and said, man, get your, get your family and as many as you can get, get out of here. We're going to, we can't judge this place until you're gone. He went to his son-in-laws showing that he had two married daughters and two unmarried daughters. He came to his son-in-laws and they thought he was just joking. He lost his testimony. They didn't believe, you know, when he tried to talk to them about spiritual things, they said, man, you got, you, you're joking, right? you joking. That's what they thought. And, and so then, you know, he just, he, he, he finally leads. And, and the Bible says the angels had to drag him out. That he was just shuffling his feet. Lingering. Lingering. Oh, somebody, God told you to leave something and you lingering. And so they had to drag them, drag him, his wife, and the two unmarried daughters and drag them out. They got far enough. They said, don't look back. Better not look back. You don't see God doing this. You you, you don't want to see God do this. You better not look back. And we know what happened, that wife. That's why Luke says, remember Lot's wife. And she was just, (laughs) And and that sulfur, that fire and brimstone, plop on her. You see, you were thinking table salt, you know, that I know you. And it plopped and it plopped on her. We give her a hard time for looking back, don't we? We give her a hard time. And 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 I used to teach and I still do. She looked back because her heart was still inside. But here's another little caveat that you can appreciate, especially for you mothers. Her heart was still in Sodom, maybe because she missed the Sodom, the wicked lifestyle. But maybe because her two daughters, that got burned up back there. And that's why she looked back. Because remember, we had two married, two unmarried. We only focus on the two unmarried, the ones that took their father got him drunk and slept with him because they thought the world had ended and slept with him. One had a son named Moab and one where the Moabites came from. One had Ammon where the Ammonites, two of the worst enemies Israel ever seen. It showed that those daughters, even though they got out of Sodom, Sodom wasn't out of them. Lot, we see him in the New Testament. None of this is mentioned. In 2 Peter 2, it calls him 
righteous lot. <laughs> righteous. Good grief. Dude, righteous? Righteous? It said that he tormented his righteous soul every day being in Sodom and Gomorrah. We never know that from Genesis 19. But everyone who blew it in the Old Testament, their sin, their sin is not mentioned in the New Testament. That's, that blows me away. Rahab's lying that everyone likes to focus on. It's not mentioned in the New Testament. She's mentioned as a, a righteous, right on <laughs> girl. And that, that just amazes me about the God that we, we serve. So, once again, this story and many others, these stories are to encourage us. Because Romans 15.4 says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And this story and many others were written that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope that if God can use lion Rahab, he can use lion me. See, that's the thing. Not use us in our lion, but in spite of our lion and sin. God is truth. John 14, 6, he says, I'm the way, the truth. And the life, the spirit of God in John 16, 13 is called the spirit of truth. And God is all about truth. So don't leave here saying, Pastor Tony, I can lie. No, the devil is a liar. (laughs) No, don't leave here continuing to lie through your teeth. No, but leave here with the hope that God can still use you in your imperfect state. See, this is an exhortation to stop believing the lie that you must be perfect before God can use you. We got too many needs, too many holes in the ministry for folks to be sitting in the stands. Time for you to get in the game. But see, Satan has lied to you and say, you know, you know what you, 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 God can use you. You got to wait till you get it together. So just wait, get till you get it together. Just sit, keep sitting in that chair. Till you get it together. Months go by, years go by. And right when you're like, oh, maybe I ought to get in the game. He whispered, you better not. Continue to sit. Peter is a beautiful example of this truth. He denied the Lord three times. And after he repented and Jesus restored him in John chapter 21, you understand that the, the gospel of John ended in chapter 20. John 20 and verses 30 and 31 says, these things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and in believing you may have life in this name. To me, the gospel of John ended there. What was the purpose of John chapter 21 to restore Peter? And this was so important because not only to restore Peter, but the Peters throughout history who would blow it and wonder if God can use them again. So John chapter 20, 21 is given, should I say. So we see God use uh, Peter in a mighty way. We have first and second Peter. God used him in a mighty way and still using him today as we study first and second Peter. The same can happen in your life. Yes, you have blown it, lied and deceived, but through repenting, God can use you in a mighty way. Somebody needs to hear that today. 
To show you that Rahab was truly saved, she wanted to see her family saved in verse 12. She wanted to see her father, mother, brothers, sisters saved from death, according to verse 13. Then the spies said in verse 14, if you don't tell our business, as men say today, don't you go over to that church telling our business. If you don't tell our business, we will show this kindness towards you. Look at verses 15 to 21. Then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall. Uh, she dwelt on the wall and she said to them, get to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterwards, you may go your way. So the men said to her, uh, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a uh, hand is laid upon him. And look what it says in verse 20. And if you tell this business of ours, and I'm big about telling some business, then we will be free from your oath, which uh, you uh, made us swear. Then she said, according to your word, let it be. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Now she allowed these men to escape by a rope uh, from her window because her house was on the city wall. According to verse 15, in this particular time, the uh, walls were so thick uh, the walls of Babylon, we know during the days of Nebuchadnezzar, it said the six chariot horses can line up and race around the, the walls of uh, uh, Babylon at the time. So at this time, you know, they would build these tall walls. Many people and some scholars believe that Jericho actually had two walls, one set of wall and another set. So it, that the city of Jericho, you just could not invade that city. And so here it is. She had her house up on the wall and it was cut out right there. And she let them down with a rope on the other side of the wall uh, to escape. Then Rahab instructed them in verse 16 to go and hide in the mountains and hide for three days and then head back home. Then the spies uh, said that they were blameless of the oath. If she became a snitch, you snitch. And we know, we know it is you, you know, then we're blameless. We're not keeping this. If she remains silent, she will be spared or saved. Then they instructed Rahab in verse 18 to hang a scarlet rope from her window. So when they came and conquered Jericho, they would know her house. So she gathered her family to her house so they could be saved. Then they told her, uh, whoever goes outside the house, their blood will be upon their own head. And it reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 27 and verse 31. Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. See, it's when we leave the house 
or we get out of the boat is when we find ourselves in trouble. When we stay away from the house of God or get out of the boat of fellowship with other Christians is when we get hurt, bruised, bloodied like these spies told Rahab to tell her family members. So the exhortation to us is to stay in the house. Like the spies told Rahab, stay on the boat. Like the apostle Paul told the, the, the sailors. The question is, where have you found yourself lately? In the house or out in the streets? In the boat or trying to swim in the uh, uh, treacherous waters of this world? And then they reiterated to Rahab, if you tell our business, we're free from this oath. Then she confirmed that she would keep her word in verse 21. And we should be people of our word. Here's the thing. You know, I'm amazed today. I'm thankful for the time that I've been, you know, saved and God saved me. And I have now over 30 years of salvation as well as ministry. And I've seen a lot. I've seen Christianity in the 80s, 90s, and, and even up to today. And people who, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, they feel okay, number one, if they don't go to church at all. Number two, if they pop in every now and then. There are many people who come, who are CEOs, who come to and claim our church. CEOs, Christmas, Easter, and other CEOs. There are people who are, but they claim, if you ask them, do you go to church? Yeah, I go to Calvary Chapel. And we see them on Christmas, Easter, and some other event, be it wedding, funeral, or Mother's Day, whatever. And, and that's Christianity today. I'm shocked at that kind of Christianity. I, I, I'm shocked that people are okay to come to church once every six weeks. You know, they'll pop in, you know, maybe twice every eight weeks. And and they have allowed themselves to get out of the house, to get out of the boat. And and they wonder why when they come back in, they come in bloodied and bruised and beat up. And they they wonder, they wonder why. Because they have allowed this world to really suck the life out of them. They've allowed this world to busy them to the point where a lot of people who once was at our church or at any church, now, you know, my life has changed and, you know, hey, um, got other things going on now. And church no longer has the priority that it once had when I first got saved. And there's a few of you in here who've been saved longer than I have. And you've seen a, a total difference. The, 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 you know, I, I, I'm studying this book that, that talk about the dropout rate, uh, between 18 and 22 that takes place. And we blame it on the secular colleges and all that kind of stuff is what we blame it on. The blame goes to the church. And, and there's a variety of reasons why, but they say really it starts when we we call it the sweet 16. It's not so sweet for the church because that's when a kid is starting to say, I'm going to bail 
from church as soon as I get of age. And, and, and we, we, we do a great job to try to reach our, our teenagers, to try to reach our kids. We do, we do a great job at that. But we, we're trying to integrate them with the adults. And the reason why is because a lot of them, once they, once they graduate high school and they leave youth ministry, you know what they say? Our church is over for me. And then they go off to college. And, and then they come back and they, they're awkward. They, they don't, they don't know how to be in here because they, I'm, I'm used to youth group. So we're, we're trying to integrate them so they can understand and know. So it's great that they're in here for, you know, for worship time so they can worship with and know what adult worship and stuff. And instead of, you know, I know they're not singing Father Abraham, but many sons. I mean, I know they're not singing that, but. I mean, you know, so, so we, we trying to, we trying to do what we can. But Christianity today, it, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a strange thing. It's a strange looking thing. And, and people's lives are, are, are not, are not holy. And we claim to have the Holy Spirit, but we're not holy. There's a group of people I know who claim the spirit, the spirit, the spirit. And the spirit means how fast I run around, roll around, flip around. But I don't walk straight when I go out. And it's a spirit. But I wonder how much it's the Holy Spirit. Because the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make us holy. Not make us have hops. Cause I could have used the Holy Spirit when I was playing basketball. You know, the, I need the hops. And older I got, the more my air game got ground. I needed the spirit, but it's to make us holy. And, 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 and a holy Christian today is looked at as, as some character. It's some, some, some weirdo, some wiry eyed weird guy. And not someone who's like Jesus. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just amazed. I'm, I'm just concerned. You know, like Paul said, my deep concern is for all the churches. That, that's, that's been the burden of my heart. Cause I'm looking around and I'm like, wow, this, no wonder the world wants nothing to do with church. And there's, there's a lot of people say, I want Jesus. I just don't want church. I don't want his followers. I don't have to deal with his people. Sometimes I'm like, I agree with you. I don't want to deal with him. I don't want to deal with him either. You know, but, but, but that's, that should say something to us. That should say something. So stay in the boat, stay in the house. You know, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I wonder, a lot of people who call themselves Christian, not glad. They're not glad. Asa said, my foot almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. But when I went into the sanctuary, that's where I saw their end. A lot of people don't want to go in the sanctuary. And they wonder why they don't see the end of what's happening out there. We have a lot of praying to do. We have a lot of praying to do. We really do. Look at verses 22 to 24 as we wrap it up. 
They departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, uh, de- uh, descended from the mountain and crossed over. And they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, truly, the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Now, in these verses, we see that the spies did as Rahab instructed them and went west toward the mountains and stayed there three days, according to verse 22. In verse 23, they returned and told Joshua everything that happened to them. They brought back a good report in verse 24 that the Lord has delivered them into our hands because they are faint-hearted because of us. Let me conclude with this. God can save anyone. Never put anyone on the God-can't-save list because he saved Rahab and he saved you. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the amazing grace who saved a wretch like me. (laughs) Sometimes we need to sing that to remind ourselves because sometimes just like Romans 12, 3 said, we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. That's when you've been a Christian for a little while. You kind of think you you kind of holy. You know why? Because you compare yourself with other people instead of comparing yourself to the one you're supposed to be like. And so you can always find somebody to look worse. So just be mindful. He saved the wretch like me. Remember, if God saved the apostle Paul, who was the chief of sinners, he can save anyone else. With this in mind, let us extend the scarlet rope to those around us and bring them to the house, to the church. No one is beyond us extending the scarlet rope to. That includes your ex-spouse and ex-boyfriend and girlfriend and and the boss that fired you and and all kind of stuff. That, That extends to them as well. Because the death of Jesus on the cross doesn't mean everyone will be saved. It just means that everyone is savable. And let us be a people that let down the scarlet rope to people who are far from God. Looking for the Rahabs who are all around us. Here's a little nugget I want to leave you with that you're going to find cute and you're going to find very fascinating. In Matthew 1 verse 5. In the genealogy of Jesus Christ that I mentioned, that Rahab is mentioned, it says Salmon um, begat Boaz by Rahab. Did you know many scholars believe that Salmon was one of the spies and he ended up marrying Rahab? So singles, it doesn't matter how bad your background or your reputation is. You can walk with God and he'll bring a salmon in your life. That one of those spies was thinking in his mind, and she was kind of fine. (laughs) I'm going to make sure I go back and scoop her up. (laughs) And he did just that. (laughs) And end up begotten uh, Boaz. If you know your Old Testament, wow, what an incredible, what an incredible story. So this gives us hope. 
no matter who we are, no matter what our backgrounds, God can save us. God can use us. God can do great things in and through our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time in your word. God, we just pray that, Lord, that you would place upon our hearts those that we think are far from you, Lord. Lord, we think of people in high positions, people in authority. We think of people on TV. We think of people with money. We think of people, Lord, that are killing other people, that they're far from you. Lord, place upon our hearts these people to pray and to see them come to know you. Lord, I pray for my atheist friend that you would draw him to you, Lord. May he repent and see his need to be forgiven through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, continue to save and show that you're the God who still saves today. Do a work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If the Word Made Plain has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you, why not consider becoming a Word Made Plain giving partner to keep this listener-supported program on the air? As a giving partner, you join forces with Calvary Chapel Newport News' kingdom vision of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can make your tax-deductible gift online at calvarynn.org or send your gift of any amount to 15553 Warwick Boulevard, Newport News, Virginia, 23608 and receive a gift from Calvary Chapel Newport News as our thank you. In addition to your financial support, we ask that you pray for the Word Made Plain broadcast, that it touches hearts and generates change in the lives of people around the world. We pray you've been blessed by God's Word today and hope you'll tune in next time to hear The Word Made Plain.